This episode of No Hacks Marketing Podcast is brought to you by PerfBud, your web performance buddy. You know how important it is to have an optimized website? No matter what your role is, you could be an SEO expert, CRO practitioner, content marketer, business owner. You can't win if your users are being punished every time they try to load a page. So head over to perfbud.com, that's P-E-R-F-B-U-D.com, and find out how you can make your website so fast, Vin Diesel will want to have a word. PerfBud, everyone deserves a fast website. On to the episode. You're listening to the No Hacks Marketing Podcast. Each week, we take a deep dive into online marketing topics, covering search, content, CRO, social, and performance optimization to help you level up your marketing. No hacks, no shortcuts, only long-term success. Here are your hosts, Slobodan Manich and Catherine Kambau. Welcome to a brand new episode of No Hacks Marketing Podcast. Today, we're talking about something that we never discussed on this podcast before, web forms. They're always necessary, almost always bad, and usually pretty boring. So how can you change that? My guest today is Alan Lucas, Managing Director at Zuko Analytics, a person who knows a thing or two about optimizing web forms. Alan, welcome to the podcast. Pleasure to have you on. Yeah, thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Right to hear that. So before we start talking about Zuko and, and fixing web forms, I have sort of an icebreaker question. How do you feel about reCAPTCHA? It's it's a funny one because we do use reCAPTCHA on our forms. It, it's 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 a bad user experience, but it's when I know from previous companies I've worked on, it's it's a balance between the user experience and then getting spammed on your back end. So the, the product the products are getting better and it's getting, but it's it's still always. Um, an issue no one likes to try and work out whether there's a traffic light in two miles down the road in the picture so it's kind of a necessary evil we we I mean we've got a whole blog on this this piece on our, our website but it's typically we, we do use it so we can't we, we can't say anything but we try and hide it and make it as, as, right. as easy as possible so make it all or embed it deep and don't do it if you don't have to, but it's yeah. it's a tricky one, but it exists for a reason. <laughs> necessary evil is probably yeah. the best way. The reason I asked about this and the reason I really have a problem with it is yeah. just the bloat and the weight it adds to the page. It, yeah. it is a massive, massive library that will kill your performance and your speed, like no doubt about that. But if yeah. it's necessary, okay, just that people need to know about mm-hmm. what else it brings with it. So let me ask you about you how did you get involved with form analytics that is a very very specific thing to to be working with it's not web analytics and stuff like that this is forms and nothing but forms right with zuko yes no that's true so you're talking about me personally or i'm zuko? talking about you personally yes let's so me there. personally it's slightly different to, to zuko um so my background is not optimization i worked for about 12 years in advertising and media so, you know, it's related and it's targeting, it's getting conversions through our works, you know, across all media, including digital. So it, it was related. So I did that and I kind of got to a point where I wanted to do something different. So I, uh, I went away and did an MBA at my Manchester Business School. I included a stint at Google there. Again, more tech. I came out of that and I immediately started working for a venture cap. So we were investing in digital and marketing companies in the northwest of England. So so very much involved in tech from there. And then kind of came to a point where our investing period was over. So it was all about monitoring. So I decided to move across to the tech side, the client side. So I moved across 
firstly to an AI company, then to a digital health company. And then the opportunity arose for Zuko, which kind of meshed my tech skills, my small business skills, and my marketing skills. And it kind of was the perfect opportunity. So I didn't know huge amounts of forms at the time, but obviously had had discussions when we were looking at conversion rates for the things in my previous lives. So I kind of ended up there, not by accident, because kind of my skill set led me to it, but it wasn't deliberate on my part. Right. And what about Zuko? What is the origin story of Zuko? So origin story of Zuko is obviously the, the original name of the, well, still the name of the company is Formissimo, which was created about 2014, 2015, off the back of a lot of pain, you know, you know, Forms are still bad, but back then they're even worse. So it was pretty obvious that there was no product really on the marketplace at that, that point that dealt with forms. So the, the founders looked and said, okay, what can we do? So that's where Formissimo, the first generation products developed. And basically the idea being that you, you, you kind of identify when, where, and why users are dropping off forms. So you can create the hypotheses to test and improve your forms and, and ultimately right. improve your conversion rate. So Zuko came about uh, out of a lot of pain. I say, yeah, Formissimo came out of a, a lot of pain. Zuko is the second generation product, which was introduced three years ago now. And, and kind of we transitioned from Formissimo to Zuko by accident because Zuko originally started as an enterprise product only and Formissimo was retained as kind of a self-serve subscription product. But it quickly became clear that, well, Zuko was so much better in every way than the previous product. So why are we maintaining an old product? So we then transitioned Zuko to be available to everyone. And then it became, well, okay, well, how do you, what's the name? So in the end, we transitioned the name, right. customer-facing name to Zuko. Essentially, that's why it happened. There was a few issues with Formissimo as well. People were always spelling it wrong and couldn't pronounce it. So it was great. And then it talked about forms but people would misspell it and wouldn't be able to get to your website. So that, that was an issue. So hence, we are with Zuko with our second generation and our strategy remains to be the absolute best at form analytics. There's lots of right. tools out there that do five or six different things decently well, but we want to be the best at one thing. And so for businesses that are serious about getting their forms right, we're the go-to tool. A specialized tool will always beat the, yeah. the, the, the universal analytics or, or whatever yeah. else it is. You yeah. mentioned that the forms were worse, like 2014, mm -hmm. 2015. And one thing that changed since then is, and I'm in Sweden, Klarna is the big thing here, the iframe checkouts mm -hmm. where you mm -hmm. don't get to control anything. Do you think that's a good thing or bad thing for web forms? Well, I think, yeah, the, the, the general piece is, is about sing, single sign-on. I think, and again, we've written about this in, in a lot of our guides. Uh, generally, if all you're looking to do is convert someone, it's a good thing because they are Facebook sign-on, LinkedIn sign-up. It's, it's simple. It's easy. If they're already signed up to Facebook and uh, they, they have less concerns about what the, the, what's happening with their data, having said that, obviously, they probably should be more concerned <laughs> because these guys then know Even Facebook more, knows yeah. that you, what you've signed up for and what you're doing, et cetera. So, but people don't necessarily register that. So I, I think generally, if you're looking at simple form, yeah, but the, the forms we deal with, you, you're often looking at a lot more detailed information. You're looking at financial information and looking at personal answers that people give. And that's not necessarily stored on Facebook. So if you're just looking to you register for a trial, click here is your Facebook then. That's fine. It's, it, it does well. Depending on your audience, I'll have to caveat right. that because if you're looking at an older audience, they may not have that. So you always have to offer a standardized login as well. But I think that they, they have their place for the right product. Right. And, and 
that was 2014, the, the bad forums. Now it's better. But 2022, we still have plenty. Like I'd say majority of forums online are ranging from bad to terrible. Yeah. Why is that the case? Like okay. <laughs> when, when will it be better? Okay, well, there's two answers to this, but I suppose if you, if you look back to the midst of time, why are forms online bad in the first place? And it's probably because forms before the internet were bad. And so, you, you, I don't know if you're old enough to remember, but you, you'd, you'd get a form, you'd send off, someone would put a form in a post, you'd spend ages doing it, you'd have 50 yep. fields to fill out, you'd post it back and, and et cetera. But because there was no way around it, people kind of got used to it. Again, it's the monopoly thing. It's like, hey, what are you going to do? Um, you've got no option. So kind of when the form started coming online, it was just, let's port the form across. And technology wasn't great, et cetera. So that, that, that's the first reason that forms were bad. But why haven't they got as, as beth, much better much quickly? And I think that kind of ties more into how let's let's face it forms are not sexy people how about you, you, you how many people right. sit in an optimization meeting say let's do forms oh, no, let's do a home page let's let's look at the advertising optimization let's do this they don't think okay let's get down to that last piece of information which determines where a user is giving you some personal information it's quite a commitment let's look at that and and it's kind of it's something that we get frustrated with because we want to see a mentality shift to let's make forms better and, and there's a lot of a lot of places do get it Right. But there's a lot that don't because it's the last thing. It's just simple. There's lots of self-serve. Let's set up a form. Um, it's for the same reason that surveys are bad. No one really thinks about it. It's just like, let's ask the questions. It's not difficult. I can give you that information. But they don't think of it from the user perspective. What Telephone number being the prime example. People just say, yeah, telephone number. You know, why wouldn't they give a telephone number? But it's probably one of the biggest reasons for dropout in a lot of forms, particularly e-commerce because people hate giving it because yeah. they just believe they're going to get spammed with phone calls. But people don't think that because it's just a form, like a paper form, just put your phone number down. How difficult is that? It's not difficult. Everyone knows their phone number. But mentally, there's that block there. And right. the, the yeah, just the, the attention to say, and, and agencies are guilty of this. And I say we have a lot of agency class, but, and, and you know, but so I say not necessarily an experimentation CRO agency, but the broader digital agencies, they want to focus on the nice, sexy campaigns, driving more traffic, making the web, homepage better. But they don't necessarily want to do the nitty gritty because it's, you know, it makes for is, a nicer for? presentation of what exactly, you've done yeah. for the client. Like exactly. You have yeah. This fancy it's, landing page and all that. Yeah. So, so how do you get started with form optimization? Sign up for Zoom, of course, but in general, like what is the approach? What is the, the, the mindset yeah. of starting. So, so, so the mindset is obviously you need to identify the issues. Well, firstly, you need to identify, have you got a problem? At the end of the day, every form can be optimized. So you need data. And now whether that's from GA, whether that's from Zuko, well, wherever it's from, you need to make sure you have data. So firstly, like, what's your conversion rate overall? Now, we often get asked, is, is my conversion rate good or bad? And of course, you know, any optimizer knows you, 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 you don't know because you, we have benchmarks across industries which right. you can look at, you know, take it with a pinch of salt, but at least you can see, okay, in the finance industry for an inquiry form, it's the conversion rate is this, but obviously every form is different. So uh, you at least get an idea of, of, of what, what the potential is in terms of if you, if you improve what you could get to with a pinch of salt. But then you need to know where are the issues within your form. 
and obviously you can you can look at user recordings heat maps etc do the, those sort of things uh, see how users are doing it or you could use a form analytics tool like zuko which uses a data-based approach to say okay what are the where are the places that people are dropping off so that that's what you need to do so you, you'll look at that first thing you look at the basics so you will look at okay what are the abandonment rates at a particular field both in terms of volume so your sheer numbers for improvement but also the the rate percentage rate because often what you see is there's fields in forms that are not shown to everyone so the conditional fields so they might represent a small proportion of your overall abandonments but they actually have a high abandonment rate if there's a high percentage of people who drop out when they do that so you need to make sure you're looking at all of that you need to look at areas of friction so which areas are people going back to and also where are people how long are people taking on it having said that the raw figure isn't necessarily the most important thing what we find when you're looking at you're digging deeper you need to look at the difference in behavior between people who complete and people who abandon so as right. an example, let's say we have a financial form and there's a gross income field. And what we can see is that 20% of people overall go back to that field to have to make a correction. So they, they fill it oh. in, they, they, they get asked, they, they, they move on and they come back to correct it. Is 20% good or bad? We ask, well, I don't know. But what you can do is segment your audience. And, and so you may have the instance where, okay, 35% of people who abandon the form ultimately have to go back to it. Then, but the, the figure is only 10% for those who complete. So you can say, okay, well, there's obviously a correlation here between abandonment and having to go back. So you, you break it down into that. So you can see, you can identify where your issues are. You can also look at other data. If you set up error message tracking, you can see what error messages are tracking. And again, correlate those between abandonment or not, because sometimes you get an error message in an email address, or oh, you've forgotten your you, you've forgotten the .com. Okay, well, I can fix that. It doesn't, doesn't correlate with abandonment, but then you might have others that do because people can't, because there's a validation error, as an example. Phone numbers right. or or credit cards are often your validation. If you put it in a certain way, people don't know, you know, put dashes in, spaces in, those sort of things. And people just get frustrated with that and abandon. So you can, you can work out that those are your issues as well as also the one thing we also do. Well, we might come onto this later is also looking at behavior around submit button, because often there's, there's a whole subsection of your audience who will spend a lot of time filling out the form click the submit button it fails probably because of error message when you're like okay why is that and then you right. if you if you have an analytical tool which enables you to say okay after they've clicked the submit what do they do next typically because they'll go back to the fields they're having problems with so again that enables you that's another very good way of seeing how people where people are struggling so you identify those that's right. that's your first first point one and that, that's something you mentioned as we were discussing the episode, as we were preparing for it. Some of the examples of changes that delivered the biggest uplift. And, and mm -hmm. it's, it's what you just mentioned, inline validation. Of course, yeah. if, I, if I cannot guess w which format for the phone number you want, yeah. I'll give mm -hmm. up at some point. And, and also yeah. what happens after submit, like the error message, mm -hmm. and yeah. I need to know. So, so what are yeah. some other examples of, of things that you've noticed get significant lift? As a so, yeah, so we, yeah. yeah, so I said the biggest one is you, you mentioned it was uh, inline validation, specifically telling people at, at the right time. So right, yeah, we've had examples of forms where you you don't get any error messages until you click the submit button, and then the error messages are right back at the top of the form, and you can't find it, and then you've got to go back down again to find out what the thing right. is, and you don't know what the problem is. 
error messages in general will come on to because again that's that's a big one but inline validation is sort of when you trigger it so if you trigger it at the time and you tell people not only have they got it wrong but have they got it right there's a massive change in forms can be stressful you see that red it's like when you're at school you, you remember the big red oh, pen yeah. uh, you got it wrong bad bad and the stress and on one incident isn't bad but then when you get multiple ones it right. builds and builds before people people might just leave so putting the, the validation in immediately so typically the best time is when they move from one field to the next one you tell them straight away so before they've started the next field because uh, you don't want to do it too early because again no one everyone hates saying oh you've, you've not completed your phone number like I'm I'm in the middle of it. <laughs> so that's that's a, a big one for us. We see, well, there was a famous study by Luke Roblevsky who, who um, tested it and found on average a 22% uplift using inline validation. And that's kind of what we see. If you're doing nothing, you can easily see a 10 to 30% uplift if, if you've already got a bad setup already. Wow. So that's always the number one we, we look at. The other areas are related to that, but they're just around error messages and and instructional microcopy. I'm going to clap them together because it's all part of that. And then the validation process is like, okay. Again, we often see forms where you get a message, your answer is invalid. Okay. Well, how is it invalid? Why is it invalid? Like, tell me. Right. So again, you see a big uplift of, okay, if you can change that to something more useful, okay, you're uh, just as a simple example, your answer is invalid because you haven't you've got a .com or you've missed the at in, in your email address. So, so potentially more sophisticated things. And then also if you can add, then add a layer of suggestion, and again, I'll use an email as an example. If someone puts in gmail.com, you say, oh, did you mean Gmail? Click here. Right. Okay, yeah. And that's that's you will see lists around that. And, and, and linked to that is the microcopy if you're telling them already. Again, I'll use the password field as this as a simple example. Often what you'll see just says password. Okay, put a password in. It's only after that they've entered the password. So oh, you need 10 characters, one special right. character, et cetera. It's like, well, I've just given you a password. Why did you do that to me? Tell me straight away. Yeah, and, and being upfront. And, and so if that, if that also falls into the big managing expectations. And again, this is probably another area where you see a big uplift for certain, you know, travel, finance, et cetera. If you require certain information of people, social security numbers, passport numbers, driver's license, if you're not telling them and you you only tell them when they get to that field, then you're going to see a big bit of dropout because people will have to go, oh my, where's my passport? I don't know. They go away. They, they search for five minutes, they come back. And, and worst case scenario is they've been timed out. So they've lost right. all their information. Right. So you, you see a lot of that sort of thing. So those are kind of the, the big practical examples of, of, of improved um, stuff. Uh, and then probably the other area is kind of around mobile optimization. If you're not optimizing for mobile, making sure it renders well, making sure that you're you're putting the right HTML in there so the right keyboard comes up, all those sort of things is, again, another right. potential big uplift. Depending on what your audience is, is, is one that we see. Just improving that can, can give you a big uplift. Right. And, and mobile is really a good example because not only just getting the, the right keyboards and everything, but it's also about the context. I don't have mm -hmm. as much time. I don't have as yeah. much attention. So mm -hmm. does it make sense to make mobile forms shorter, eliminate the unnecessary fields? I guess you need to eliminate the unnecessary fields on desktop as well. Like why ask yeah. for things that, that you don't really need? So 
I think mobile optimization, and just to be clear, Zucos does the segmentation, mobile and desktop. Yes, yes. Yeah. Of, co- of yes, course, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I think that that's really the, the biggest struggle yeah. for me with forms online. If I'm on my I might leave the tab open so I remember it when I get to my computer. Yeah. Yeah. I may forget mm. if the yeah, form exactly. is very demanding. Okay, yeah. so, so Zuko is, we said it's a, it's a specialized tool. Specialized mm. tool. So what is the difference and what is the problem with the black box analytics tools and using them for forms? Something like, Let's let's stick to universal analytics because it's still alive. It, it has yeah. like thirteen more months until it mm-hmm. dies, and it's what everyone's using. So, wh- what is what's the problem with using that for yeah. form analytics? So, the issue with universal analytics, it, well, the basic issue is it's not designed for forms. So, at its top level, what you can do is you can see. Like you say, the black box, okay, you can see how many people reach a form page and how many people convert. You don't know what's happening within it. Now, you can spend a lot of time, expensive developer time, trying to hack together a a framework which gives you some information. So tagging up fields for interactions and maybe time and, and that sort of thing. And you'll get a basic thing, but you've spent half a day a day doing it. When your form changes, you've got to redo it. It's hard to maintain. Why do that when you can just get a specialist tool where it's two tags done? Okay, it's been designed to pull it in for you. And so aside from the fact you've got greater, more in-depth reports, it is just actually the pain of doing it and getting it right just because it's free as some you know people think it's free, but obviously it's it's time isn't free. So people, people, that's why people gravitate to it. Right. And how does Zuko work? What is the implementation like? You said just add a tag, two tags. Yeah. So the basic, the basic tag is, yeah, you have two tags. One is on form and then one is on successful completion. So typically the thank you page. Um, Okay. So Zuko then pulls in every interaction with a a form element in between those. You might just spend a little bit of time relabeling depending on what your developers have done because Zuko pulls in the HTML. So if your developers have called the field uh, X12579 which they do, <laughs> we they do. So you would then just have to Zuko rename it to, you know, address right. field or whatever it may be. Oh, but you course. know, so but yeah, hopefully your developers have set it up so you can read it and go, okay, I know what that field is. So, it's not a problem. So that's how easy it is. Any yeah. any interaction, any clicks, any blurs and focuses on the form fields, Zuko detects that automatically. There's no need yeah. to do events like in Google Analytics or any 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 crazy. No, like I mean if you want to build on it, there's you know, if you want to build uh, custom events, you can mm-hmm. push those in. Right. So some error messaging, et cetera, or if someone clicks on a particular button, there's a little bit more work to do there. Or, or if you want to set up um, certain audience segmentation, you, I mean, it's built to be flexible, so you right. can build your own audience segmentation. But obviously, there's a little bit more work there. Out, out of the box, you look at new versus returning users, device type, browser, browser family, and also we, we have a standardized tag if you want to right. be tracking traffic source as well. But again, you can get more granular if you want to. That sounds simple. Sounds really, really easy. Well, it's it's been designed it. to be easy. That's right. that's the kind of point because we know these things right. are difficult. No one's got the time to do it. So yeah, that's a fair point. And it, there's a really good product overview video. I will link to that page in the description. Okay, it's mm. like a minute forty seconds, something like that, mm. and, and it just mm. really tells you. Is that you talking on that video? It's or, or not something? me. I, no. I, it's, it's it's one of the founders. He's much more well spoken than I am. So. Oh come on, come on! But, uh, <laughs> I will link to that uh, page in the description because. 
it tells you everything you need to know about Zucoin and how simple it is, shows you the report, shows you everything. So mm -hmm. to people listening to this who are not familiar with Zuko, just check that link in the description. Mm -hmm. and I, I think you, you will learn everything you need to know. Mm -hmm. Now, on to my next question is, yeah. which businesses can benefit most from Zuko? What kind of forms? You, you mentioned some three criteria for, yeah. uh, for the forms. Yeah, so this kind of say a combination of three criteria means you'll probably get the most out of Zuko or any form of analytics tool. The first one is complex forms because obviously, if you've if you've got a form with lots of questions or difficult questions, there's much more opportunity to get it wrong than right. if you've just got a contact form which is an email address. You might mess it up once, but you're not going to mess it up twice because it's 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 relatively simple to to do. Whereas if you've got a, a big long form asking for personal data. It's trickier. Second thing is high cost of customer acquisition. Again, with any optimization, your return on investment is going to be higher if you've got a you know, high cost, if you can reduce the cost of customer acquisition. And then the third thing is linked to that, and that's customer lifetime value. Right. So they're both kind of interlinked in the, in the return on investment thing. You improve your conversion, you're going to get more back. Uh, so th those three things. And, and when it comes to industries, you probably won't be surprised to, to know that our, our biggest sector far and away is, is financial. So insurance, banking, credit cards, Forex, uh, those sort of things, because they right. ne necessarily ask difficult questions and financial questions of the user. So it's very important to get right. So that's that's our number one sector. But we also have gambling is an interesting one. We have a big gaming and gambling sector. Um, and that's probably not necessarily because the forms are that complex, although there, there can be regulatory uh, things in certain markets, but it's, it's to do with the, the cost of acquisition and the, the lifetime value of a customer. So right. there's going to be a big return. Uh, then we also have travel, education. Education one is one that's classic complex forms, you know, big long ones. And e-commerce as well, obviously, because there's, there's a lot of e-commerce out there that use checkouts. Um, right. And, and the, you know, while there's a lot of formulaic checkouts out there that work quite well, there's always, there's always you know, little wrinkles. Does it, should you put a coupon code? Should you reveal it? Is that going to drive people away because they go somewhere else to try and find a coupon, that sort of thing. So th those are the areas that we have as well as as well as well agencies, obviously, who, who look after their, their clients. So those are the kind of sectors that uh, Zuko deals with. Right. But but more complex the form is, of course, higher the yeah. need for an analytics tool. It, Absolutely. It's just, yeah. just a logical order. So how does it work with multi-page forms? That's what you would call a complex form, right? Yeah, so I mean, it, technically, Zuko has been designed to, to to do that. Oh, it's the same process. You put right. one one f uh, tag on the on the first load and one tag on the on the the, uh, the completion page. And as long as it's all on the same base domain, then Zuko will just just do okay. work it through as if it was a, a single page form. And yeah, I mean, we do a lot of multi page forms because they they tend to perform better than single page forms because just just because of that chunking of information works works right. well. And does it work with uh, with client side generated? Let's say you have something like React to generate the form, or does it have to be server side generated? No, it works with its clients. It pretty much works with, with every form okay. um, as long as you can get the, the the code onto it. If it's an iframe, you just need to be able to make sure you can put it on the iframe. So if you've got a third party that won't let you put code on, then obviously you, you oh, might oh, might struggle. Uh, but but you're not going to be able to optimize that anyway. So. Uh, no. It's generally 95% plus of forms it works on. The only time, well, you have to do a little more setup is if someone's built a form that's not a form. So you built like a lots of images. Oh. So it's it's not an HTML form. You've been lots of images and you click on this image and that gives you the answer and that sort of thing. Technically, Zuko can still handle it. You just need to add overrides to to the individual elements. But it, it, because it's not a form element, we don't automatically pull in every image 
say. Right, right. And I have one final question, and this one is yeah. from my friend, Brent Sutoras, who's digital marketing strategist and managing partner at Search Engine Journal. Yeah. This is about psychology of forms. Like, what are the differences mm-hmm. with, with psychology and persuasion with the forms, designing the form, with the decision being made when you compare a single-person decision, like a simple purchase, or one that requires a potential discussion amongst a couple, or like buying a mm-hmm. car, buying a house? Like, what yeah. is the difference in psychology of those forms? So that's an interesting question. I'm not, not, not considered it fully before, but I guess it is kind of typically the way businesses do it is if it's a considered decision, you probably actually make your form much more simpler because all you want to do is, is a lead capture piece because you, you need to capture the interest and it's a multi-stage because there's, there's discussions right. to be had. So from psychology, it, it's it's not just about the form, it's about everything. So you first, you, you've got to drive people to the form, you register interest, and then you have a good CRM to make sure that they're doing that. And then you might have a follow-up form for the booking or whatever it may be. Whereas a single person form, you can, again, depending on the product sector, you're probably looking, you, you can get away with you know more information because people will just explore the form and go through and, and, right. and, and do it. Um, whereas if, if no one's going to make a decision on day one and, and that, then yeah, you, even more reason not to ask for more information, you ask for less information and have a good follow-up. I think that makes perfect sense. And, and mm-hmm. that, is, that is a wrap for this episode. Two things yeah. that I learned Mm-hmm. Recapture is a necessary evil. You just confirmed what I felt about it. And then Zuko, to anyone listening to this, just go and sign up. You have a, a trial plan, right? Yeah, yeah, free trial. Go, free trial where people can go sign up, have a look at the interface, connect their form, and, and just see what the tool looks like. I've seen it. I've signed up. I haven't really used it to analyze the form, but it's better than Google Analytics or whatever else most people are using so i would just recommend go there and sign up the link will be in the description alan i want to thank you for this conversation i i really really love this tool i love the specialized tool that it is and thank you for being on the podcast to everyone listening thank you consider uh, rating or reviewing the episode and i will talk to you next week thank you very much Thanks for listening to No Hacks Marketing. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate it if you can leave a rating on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Visit nohacksmarketing.com to subscribe.